Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's another conversation with Agility by Nature, and I'm hosting today, Ian Gill. And by the way, for those who've asked, where's the other host? They're coming, they're coming, they're just getting their courage up. Um, I said good afternoon, didn't I? So it's recorded here in Hertfordshire, England, the UK, about four o'clock our afternoon, and it's November. My guest is in another part of the world. He's in Florida, having a morning cup of coffee to my afternoon tea. And you, the listener, might be driving to work, or you might be driving back from work, or you might be cooking dinner and listening to this on some device in goodness knows what part of the world. Technology seems to have made the big world smaller, more connected, more accessible. And we put that to the test very much recently with the arrival of the pandemic, where people who have not been used to working, distributed or apart, have now through technology, been able to or made to, dependent on your point of view. Are we experts? I've struggled with some of it. And certainly when we come to creating teams rather than individuals, I think life gets a little bit more interesting. How do we fathom it out? Well, fathom no more, because today's guest is an expert in this area. It's the fabulous Mark Kilby. Hi, Mark. How are you? <laughs> I, I'm great. I think I'm going to get that on the sh on a shirt. The fabulous, Mark. Thank you. Love, love your guests and they'll love your audience too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, I mean, we, we are going to get to, to your book. You are the co-author of Chaos to Successful Distributed Agile Teams, which I have been reading. I did confess to Mark, I'm still reading it. I very carelessly got four books on the go. I very rarely do that. But this is a really, um, I really strongly recommend you get this book if you're an agile practitioner. Um, and I think you've got another one on the go as well. That uh... there's there's an there's another one in the works. Very different topic. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll save that for a follow on. Okay. Right. How Let's about that? So, Mark, I mean, you know, looking at the, I mean, I've got open by the way, uh, my notebook. You're on my screen to the right. I've got your book on the screen to the left. I've got my <laughs> other notes on my other laptop over here because there's such a volume of stuff. I didn't want to miss anything. I've almost given up. So you might have to work this through. But, um, you know, fabulous career in Agile. You've been a founder of Agile Florida, Orlando. You've done so much work there. You've, you're a big donator, I can see, to the community. Uh, you started as a software engineer. Um, many <laughs> so many years ago um, and one of your first brief I love this that I'm going to share it with the world your first brief uh, was to create a flexible multi-body simulation generator <laughs> emulating behavior of space-based control systems and structures using <laughs> computer algebra so would it be fair to say you know something about IT a bit <laughs> i don't i don't know a thing about sh creating short titles but yes i know something about it uh, that, that was a beautiful thing i thought right you've got to respect a man who can even write it and if, if the man <laughs> did it much cuter as well seriously you, you you've been a research associate web development technical architect tech lead there's this enormous body of tech work and then in 2003 after what it just goes scrum master it's almost like you've done all the engineering and then you turned into sort of this agile scrum master one of the hardest roles in agile it it, 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 yeah, it, it wasn't such an abrupt turn so yeah. um in in 19 i think 1998 1999 when some of the first articles the books hadn't been out yeah. yet uh on agile and they were called lightweight methodologies then. That's right. so they, they didn't even 
They didn't have the 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 A name yet. Um, and I recall reading some of those articles and saying, you know what, this is crazy enough it could work. Because yeah. at the time, I had a boss that everything was priority one, and that priority changed every five minutes. So I needed something that worked in that scenario. <laughs> And, and that's where I started reading articles by uh, uh, Ward Cunningham and Kent Beck. And then I got Kent's book as soon as it came out. And I went, this is brilliant. And it wasn't just all the cool tools. It was the synergy between the practices. It was, I, I really appreciated how he stepped back and said, okay, here's the values, here's the principles, and this is why you want the practices. And I always have that in the back of my mind whenever i'm entering a new place what what what's behind this system yeah so i've always appreciated that perspective and, and, and I'm, it's good you reminded me of the you know it was light was the original word not agile i can yeah. see what agile yeah. might be more preferable but i think people underestimate quite the depth and body of thought just on the software engineering alone the xp practices alone uh, and yeah. then there's some the sort of scrum top half and think oh it's just a little bit of just a little bit of stand up and a little, but there's a real depth to agile yeah. not yeah. trivial yeah and the place the place that i came from they would have documented processes that were you know if people could see the bookshelf behind you the the entire process would be all three of those shelves behind you for one organization yeah, yeah. and and the, the big aha for me was, and this was a, a CMM level five organization I was working at the time, when I had to do a research project, I was looking at the shelves of process documentation. I went, I just have a three month research project. How can I get this, all this done? I went to one of the process guides who showed me how to tailor it down to a two page description yeah. and get it approved. Yeah. I went, aha. <laughs> I said, so now I see how this game is played. <laughs> it's what really happens. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, find the man who knows. I, I remember yeah. my, 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 my saying to my dad many, many moons ago, if I read this whole book, and by the way, for those who can't see on Radio Land, I'm holding up a hand that's suggesting a book of about a depth of six inches. Uh, if I read all this book, I will get to pass my physics exam. And my old man quite right said, you're right. But if you just know the bits they're going to be asking the exam, there's a lot less reading. <laughs> yes. That was life experience there and then for you. Um, you then, you, you spent some time at Rally as well. And I remember Rally is one of the early uh, agile tool sets to support us fledgling agile, agile people in the world. Um, yeah. and backlog. And I think they're known as CA now, isn't it, Rally? Uh. CA Broadcom, uh, yeah, and they've okay. and the name's gone back to, to Rally. Yeah. When I was there, um, I I referred to it as Camelot because because <laughs> it, it, it was it was truly um, they they kind of they kind of lived by their principles. So you would hear about the values, we'd often talk about them, but I would hear them mentioned every day in every meeting. Yeah. And uh, we would sometimes we'd have long debates about certain scenarios and how the values applied. It, I'd go into a client because I was one of the agile coaches there. I'd go into a client and you could tell there was just without having that kind of framework, yeah. you, you just could understand why the chaos was there. But 
just yeah. to get them to that point. It was the 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 T word transformation was not enough to to describe the yeah. the challenge they had ahead of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and of course, rally a big worldwide footprint. I mean, I know a lot of your work was in uh, Florida, but you had travel. But here you're in. Oh Europe, yeah, all over. You're in Europe. Goodness knows where else. Yeah. I mean, a lot of different people, I should imagine, all trying their first steps with agile, or were they quite mature? Do you find was it a mixture? Uh, well, if, if you're if you're talking about the people that were at rally, yeah, very. oh, we're we're talking beyond a game. <laughs> we're, I I thought when I got there, I thought I knew my stuff, yeah. and then I realized I was, as we say here from the the baseball side, I was definitely in the farm league, <laughs> and, 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 uh, but I, I rose quickly. I rose quickly. Yeah, uh, the but the. But then when I when I first went to rally, it was about uh, 2008. Uh, a lot of early adopters, some later adopters, but the the late as as that curve says, the, you know, the laggards, not even there yet. Yeah. Um, some of that required a little more defined path, which came later. Um, some might say <clears throat> safe or something like that. <laughs> uh, um, but it's the, the, the ones I worked with were, were just amazing in their own right, because they knew they needed something different. They knew they needed to experiment. And, and those, those are just some, some absolutely fun gigs to be on. They were tough. Yeah. They were very difficult. Uh, but, but you had people that were willing to learn, willing to experiment, really willing to take the organizational rule book and go, okay, we know this isn't working for us. We got to toss it. And some of these were top tier companies yeah. too, not just, not just startups, but just top tier companies to realize the, the markets are shifting. We yeah. have, we have got to rewrite our playbooks. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think, you know, it's quite interesting. I think certainly when I bumped into Agile, I think we just needed a better way. I couldn't stand working yeah. this lack of collaboration driven by documents that nobody read, nobody cared for, and certainly wouldn't stand up to. Uh, and, and, and Well, and, well, but, and the, the, the worst part that, and I, I'm sure, well, hopefully this didn't happen to you often, but for me, because I did start off in, in government contracting, <laughs> often I, I would have software I would put heart and soul into, and it would sit on a, virtual yeah. shelf somewhere never yeah, to be used yeah yeah, yeah. i uh, so, you know that was something that um liz keogh said recently you know her first job before she got into agile they wrote all this software and it didn't get out just didn't get yeah. out that was and, yeah. know, heartbreaking i think people forget that developers that don't do this as a hobby they do want their software to go live yeah that's that, absolutely that's the goal that's the goal absolutely yeah yeah uh, but, so coming back to us as sort of finding our feet, you know, and I noticed in the book, which you co-wrote with uh, Johanna Rothman, who's certainly a, a well-known practitioner too, between 55 years of experience. So, we'll figure somewhere, give or take. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you, you've got more experience than some people have been alive. So we, we think you might, 
<laughs> oh, that makes me feel so much better. Thanks. I'll be sure to. <laughs> I'll be sure to share that with Johanna. <laughs> okay, she's not coming on the program, I guess. Now, um, <laughs> oh, she she will. You you may you may be careful there, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Johanna, I love your work. Please. Um, Fifty-five years, and you know, I have read the. I'm reading your book. As you say, I've got too many on the go, but I'm I'm reading yeah. your book. What prompted you to to get down with the book? Was it you know I want to share. Or what was what was driving you? Well, so for for me personally, I I was um, sort of the accidental distributed coach. I'll put it that way. Right. So even though you know I'd read all this great stuff about XP and Scrum at the time, you know, and there wasn't much out there. So at the time, so you whatever you could get was great, um, and you know hear about being in the room together face to face and one of my very first team agile teams i was the scrum master super excited and my team was a thousand miles away yeah, yeah. I mean, how am i going to make this work and i thought okay and i just taken my i just taken my scrum class with ken schwaber right okay great <laughs> and it's it's like and i heard inspect and adapt inspect and adapt inspect and adapt it's like well, I've got to inspect and adapt. I've got to find some way to make this work. It wasn't, this can't work. No, I've got to make this work. So for me, it was, how do you, how do you, how do you step back to those principles again? And when I, when Johanna and I started collaborating on some writing, I don't know, about two, three years ago, uh, or two, three years before the book, and we started sharing stories on distributed, she had a very much a same mindset it's like it's it's you can you can tell people this won't work or you can find a way to to make it work at least somewhat so yeah. it's it kind of goes back to that com combine principle of you know start where they are yeah and yeah. how and how do you s slowly improve them um i i had one client that they they did an okay job working remotely and they'd love their remote team so much. And they were the 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 remote part was in India. They were in the U, eastern US. Yeah. They they offered the remote teammates jobs and re relocating them to the US. Wow. They worked so well together. They said, you know, we're we wanna we wanna pull everyone back into one location, but we really like working with it. So whoever wants to come over, we'll sponsor you. And so they were made. They were willing to make that investment because of the relationships they yeah. built. Yeah. So, for both Johan and I, it's it's really about the people. Yeah. So how how do you not only how do you make this work, but how do you make it work for the people? How do you make it sustainable for the people? Whether it's your staff, whether it's your customers, how do you how can you make that work? Yeah. And that's that was really a lot of the the driving force behind that book so yes there was probably more theory we could have pulled into it but instead you know we said let's talk about stories where we actually saw it happen gotcha yeah yeah let's yeah. talk about that and that so comes through in the book i mean you know uh for, if, for people who haven't read the book it's a real treat get hold of it because actually uh, there's a few things i would say about it is successfully just distribute agile teams even if you've not got distributed teams, I'd get this book 
because it talks a lot about getting your agile team working. Yeah. Um, it's quite the practitioner's handbook. It's written in simple, but not simplest, simple, straightforward, I get it, I get it language. And you can feel the experience driving behind it. But it's it wears its experience lightly. And I really like yeah. that. What a fabulous set. Totally love this book. Um, and I've only, read, I've only read about half of it. So, you know, um, it's a real handbook for how to. So well worth. And, and, and I just want to, when you, what's interesting about it is do talk about people and you talk about agile principles, not much about tooling in there at all, which I love straight away. I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm, I've had arguments, stand up arguments. I don't start with the tool, putting your backlog in there, put it on the wall. I can't see the brain of the team. And you, yeah. you, I'm not saying you're anti-tool, by the way, but it's all about the people, not the tooling, I think. Yeah. And confession here, I'm a tool geek. I love tools. <laughs> I any, any new online collaborative tool, I have probably played with it. Yeah, yeah. However, I also realize that any tool brings constraints. Yes. It could constrain how you work. It's going to constrain... Yeah. Uh, it's going to constrain you to a certain workflow even. So I've, some of the, some of the um, founders of some of these collaboration tools, I know them well. Yeah. And we talk all the time and I'll tell them, I love this part about your tool. And by the way, I hate this part about your tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I've often had those kind of conversations with them. I said, and some, some will come and say, Hey, can you endorse this? I went, no. <laughs> I said, no. Yeah. I said, because it's, it's not about your tool. It, if you start talking about how you enable the people and how your tool supports that, then we can start talking. The, the, and what's interesting about your book, and I, I noticed at the beginning, this book's for three, this week, including the management. So it's for yeah. the so that, uh, And I thought that was really interesting because usually you don't have that broad brief. So um, I was that you particularly think management, you need that support to get your agility going. Mm -hmm. uh, and if yeah. you don't have that bite, you're not going to get it you're not going to get far no. <laughs> you're, you're you're certainly not going to get the right tooling yeah you're you're not going to get the flexibility that you absolutely need not only for an agile team but for a distributed agile team so uh where you are in the book you've you've probably heard more than once the concept of hours of overlap yeah yes it's it's really about not trying to force everyone to work the exact same hours no matter where they're located that's not sustainable and it's not about well you know these folks are only 12 time zones away they can get up but this ungodly hour for for a short stand-up no that's not right don't do that <laughs> yeah yeah i've done it too don't don't do that um so so if you give, if you start to give your teams choice, if you start to give them choice about when they collaborate, how they collaborate, yeah. they start to own more of the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and so that first part for for us is if they can start choosing when they work and when they collaborate, and understanding. And this is not. Hey, do whatever you want to. It's you still have to deliver value. You still there's still some business need there. So if you can show how you deliver that business need, how you collaborate, and also how you how you support focus time, because 
not everybody likes to pair, not everybody likes to mob. <laughs> so, so how do you support that within your team? Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. So that, so ha having that choice and that freedom definitely needs management support. Absolutely. And I think what's interesting about coming back to the sort of the experience of it, you're, you're quite clear. So if it's less than four hours overlap, yeah, you sure you want to do this? If it's more, you, yeah. you give some fairly good benchmarks and markers for people to, to hone yeah. in on, which I think is a refreshing change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, and, and that, and, and there's not, and I want to be clear here, there's, there's not really science behind that. It's mostly our experience that half day, you can usually get ceremonies plus the ad hoc collaboration that you really need on an agile team. Yeah, yeah. Are there successful remote teams that have less than four hours overlap? Absolutely, but they're probably not an agile team. They probably use something different. Yeah. Uh, if if you read deeply into what Automatic, who does who produces WordPress or yeah. Buffer, some of those others, yes, they're very much asynchronous, uh, and but they have a different way of working, and yeah. it works for them. Yeah. But if you if you want if you're dealing in a highly volatile market, if you need to react quickly, if you need that agility, then having that those that four hours overlap is kind of a minimum. Yeah. Which leads to some other interesting bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. So I'll just go ahead and say here, I haven't said it too often. So this is exclusive for your podcast. Okay. okay. So Scrum usually doesn't work on a on a remote team. Shocking. <laughs> but I can't tell you how many remote teams I see trying to use Scrum. Yes. I love Scrum. Yeah. I started with XP and then shifted into Scrum. But for a remote team, there there is that time box. And tell me if you have only four hours of overlap when does that time box really start when does it really end it gets really difficult yeah and somebody ends up with a problem at the end of the sprint if if you try to use scrum now if you've got six to eight hours of overlap scrum's no problem but yeah. if you have less than that i find scrum is very difficult your mileage may vary, but I'm just I'm just putting it out there. So, yeah, there so either your ratings are going to go way up or way down now. I don't no, know. No, well, no, you know, <laughs> well, I love them both. I don't care. Haters <laughs> yeah. talk about. I don't care. But actually, in the yeah. book, it does specifically talk about should you take an iterative approach or should you go. Yeah. And I thought yeah. that was really interesting that you just didn't duck that. You went straight for it. Uh, but yeah. you know, these are the conditions where it might work. These yep. are conditions where it probably isn't going to work. You might want to go this direction rather than that direction. But they both have their power. Yeah. And I thought that was, that was really interesting. I know because I didn't particularly. I still, st I still even today, still come across too many people. Are it's either one or the other, and they stay in that camp. You know, everything is a uh, you know everything looks like a nail or a hammer. You know. It's, well, and, and it's it's because the majority of people in IT have had one of the worst experiences yeah so um one of those worst experiences is either we, we talk about the satellite team so one or a few people remote and the main group is in a 
in a single office, not this year, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I've been that satellite person. It stinks. Yeah. It's awful. Uh, and unless you do certain other things like visit the office frequently and build those relationships. The other worst case is the clusters where you have subgroups in different locations. The people in the subgroups work well because they're just using natural yeah. communication. Uh, but between the subgroups, oh, surprise, there's communication problems. Yes. So unless you use something uh, like an ambassador model, or we talk about the co-pilots, uh, or using a, a buddy system, it's difficult to support that remote communication if you if you don't. And that's what people have experienced. Yeah. Oh, and probably with insufficient tooling too. Yeah. So yeah. so it's like they're communicating through a straw. <laughs> it, you know, so yes, of course, it's a horrible experience then. Yeah. yeah. But if you've got, but if you've got the management support, if you've got the tooling support, and if you've got a team that that really wants to do their best work and support each other in doing that, you can do that online. Something that struck me. I mean, something that struck me actually, and we haven't really talked about when we say distributed team. What do we mean? And actually, you're quite clear about co-location, distribution, dispersed or nebula. Mm -hmm. And I think people. Don't actually, so you could actually be uh, distributed in the same building. I've often said, and, and I'm delighted, but you're, I was like with glee clapping my hand. I said, frankly, the team upstairs is not a team to, with this team down here. They're, they're just yeah. like they might as well be in Timbuktu. So, you know, we've got to work yep. on that. And you just go straight for that and say, right, this is so I think you've got a sort of almost a nine yard law. If you're anything more than nine yards, I think you say eight meters to be more. Yeah. European, um, but if you're not within nine, we try to be. Yeah, we try to be. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Nine yards, eight yeah. meters is kind of that. Your test of uh, beyond that, you can't be co-located. Yeah. Can you tell? It's us like, oh, I got to walk all the way over there. No, that's too far. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I've got to go up to the accounts department. Oh my god. Um, no. Actually, who cares about that? But sorry, and that's a few audience I've lost. Can you just explain to to the world the difference between co-location, distributed, and dispersed? Because I think people don't quite get different <laughs> so well and this is why we came up with alternate term terminology so for for co-located you are almost shoulder to shoulder yeah. you i mean you are uh you are not socially distanced is the yeah. is the way to describe it now yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you're close enough to hear side conversations and you can leverage that as part of the team now, that has led to open, uh, open plan offices, which has their own pros and cons. We, we yeah. won't go there yet. Yeah. Um, distributed is where you might have people in parts of different locations. So that, that, that clustering. Dis dispersed is where everyone is is by themselves essentially yeah but every time even i have to just describe it i go all right distributed dispersed they both start with a d i cannot remember that okay and i was in i was in a session about five years ago at a conference a distributed conference uh and this is where i first uh bumped into judy reese and learned about clean clean language yeah, and yeah. so and so she was 
she was giving us a session on clean language and she was talking about metaphor and she basically asked us to um, think think of a think of a situation that you find it difficult to describe but you've got a picture in your head yeah yeah and i suddenly started drawing planets i went oh well here's the here's the here's one distributed case where you know we got the group here and there's somebody like a satellite floating around. oh okay and then we've got the cluster oh that's a cluster all right well all spaced out nebula okay i just kind of went for that one but uh but but when you when you start talking about a satellite team versus a cluster team versus a nebula that that once people understand that description it's like oh yeah i understand those metaphors yeah. Now, are there other ways? Yeah, I mean, we now have the team topologies book and, and other books out there talk about different ways to organize your team. But for distributed teams, it's it's looking at those communications. I'm I'm sitting here looking at my my bookshelf too. Um, there's a if you if you have people who are curious about the research, I would strongly suggest uh, looking at. Uh, Karen uh, Lejewski's work in virtual distance. So if you go to virtualdistance.com, yep. she's just got some absolutely brilliant research she's been doing for the last 15 years yeah, yeah. in this area. Now she takes it from a different viewpoint. She looks at how, how communicating through devices distances us that way. But the funny thing what, that she, she found out was, um, it's it's not the physical distance that's the biggest factor. Right. It's the it's the relationship. Yeah. Distance. Okay. It's the organizational distance. So so yes, there there is that dispersed, distributed, but it really comes back to what are the relationships and are you building stronger relationships with the people you need to work with on a regular basis? And I think the book is chock full of advice guidance in yeah. dinner and i think it is important to to remember to remember those different relationships in those different circumstances and i think yeah. even I, I know i've kind of subconsciously know there's a big difference between 15 people in 15 different parts of the world as opposed to 15 yeah. people in three parts of hertfordshire there's a big difference or even in the same yeah. thing. Uh, but it's good to make it explicit yeah yeah um one of the things that um the couple of things that struck me about your book is there's actually some really tasty agile stuff in there you know bits about how do we deal with cost of delay i say agile lean uh, cost of delay with distributed yeah. teams thought that's a bloody good one and then you know uh, uh work work streams and, and, and value streams and things like that you know there's really some great stuff in there for the agile practitioner regardless of the distributed this is a lovely thing to be handbooked it, it, do you find that that it still seems quite accessible to the learner rather than the advanced practitioner, even though some of the techniques think, oh, that seems quite advanced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like, like I said at the start, we're, we're not assuming you're completely new to agile. Could you, could you read through it and get it? Yes. I've had people understand agile through the book that way, but we still recommend other, other yeah. books to dive deeper um and and we're when we wrote it we tried to look at where is agile now or where is it going i don't i have to go back and check i'm pretty sure we didn't say story points 
too many times in the. I, I haven't come across. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's because a, that's, we, that's, a, that's a podcast on its own. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. get fifteen agile people and just say podcast and uh, sorry, uh, story points, and then run away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's like leaving the prank of the little burning bag on the doorstep. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't I know. Do <laughs> yeah. Um, and 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 things like value stream mapping, which if you if you look at what people do from lean and i'm not talking lean software i'm talking about the actual lean manufacturing very complicated yeah, approaches yeah. but they've got a lot lot to track there and we're just looking at yeah what's a simple way for you to find where the delays are happening in your process because yeah. that's what's killing you yeah and whether it's it's a time delay because you've got kind of some kind of handoff over time zones or is it just somebody thinks they need to wait? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think that's a good point, though. I mean, yeah, you made a good, an extremely good point about manufacturing. We've got a lot of things to count, and I'm not suggesting we should dumb down the technique. No, uh, no. but equally, I do think sometimes, Jesus, they ask, we're not asking to do some of the things that they originally conceived to do, make it a bit more accessible, a bit less mysterious, a bit mm -hmm. less cliquey. I think as yeah. well. You know, sometimes. Yeah. They, we deliberately using language that just makes it hard for people to to, to get hold of it and that's why one of the things i liked about your book is you, you 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 can be smart you can not be smart but you can get hold of this book and get hold of the techniques quite easily i, I do love yeah. you i'm loving it one of the things we should be talking about though um don't forget your empathy empathy uh, came up there was something else that came up in the book i'm sort of tempted to ask about that is um if you're not ready for agile you shouldn't do it and these are the tests to see if you're not ready for agile but i'll let people I'll let people read that, but I want to get to the empathy. And you talked about there's a lot about how to get teams working. I like the compass exercise, for example. Yeah. And I'm finding yeah. a lot of agile teams, even when they're hyper co-located, they're not doing their chartering anymore. And that used to be pretty stock practice, but now, mm -hmm. can you talk to people about the compass uh, and the and the chartering? And let's talk about empathy thereafter. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the the it always amuses me when i hear people say yeah but you don't really have connection on remote teams and, and sometimes i will respond i've been in co-located teams that had no connection what's the difference <laughs> <laughs> and they had more opportunity you know they you know they could go down to the pub or something but yeah, yeah, yeah. um but it's it's really it, it's it's a it's one, not only understanding the work and why they're doing the work, but why are people there? I've, I've yet to find anybody, at least in our business, that I would call a slacker. They're just kind of, yeah. most, most people in IT really want to do a good job. Uh, now, if they're not doing a good job, it's probably because they've been bludgeoned to death with process or told they can't do this, can't do that. Yeah. So again, that having that power of choice is important. Yeah. Um, and so part of that choice is if, if we understand each other a little bit more, we can understand some of the choices that are happening on the team and with our team members. So it, in short, the way the compass exercise works, and this is, this is a co-located exercise that we adapted for online. 
uh, and and basically what it gives you is four compass points, north, south, east, west, and associates a tendency or tendencies. So north is I move into action. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just ready to go. East is I need the big picture. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Yeah, yeah. South is I would really like to get a sense of where everybody's at yeah. before we move forward. And West is I need all the details. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when you hear those, you could probably guess who's QA, who's a scrum master or coach, who's a developer, but that would be the wrong way to think about it because actually any of them could be in that space. And what I typically find is um, most people on these teams, they hate doing any kind of tests like Myers-Briggs, Strength Finder. I've tried them all. Uh, you know, I, I find there's pluses and minuses all of them, but the one minus is most teams will go, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, so it's not, you know, you're dragging them into to something like that. And so instead, I want them to just understand how people react in the situation. And you give them that very simple compass and say, okay, here's your avatar. Place your avatar where you typically and you usually get that, but I want to be in multiple places. I know, but just typically, where do you tend to react? And you give them a minute, and they'll start moving their icons, and and then you'll start hearing, oh. Yeah. So, like, maybe there's a bunch of people in the north and the west, and the, you know, which indicates, well, I, there's some groups that want to just go forward, and every, everybody else will be back waiting for the details, and there's so there's a natural friction there. Yeah. Now, there's certainly other ways to yeah. do this, but but this is just a very simple way that a distributed team can do it. And I've seen other I've seen other techniques, but that one is a is a good way to start to get a, a team going and think about how do you prefer to work, and then you can go into a conversation around working agreements. Once you use some of the the questions in that exercise for them to ask each other, yeah, and and really kind of reveal to each other where they have difficulty working with a different compass direction, not somebody else. Yeah. You refer to a compass direction. Yeah. And so that way you're, you're, it doesn't feel like a personal attack. It's, oh, when, when I'm working with a, a North person, I get frustrated because of this. Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. So let's talk about that. How do we make sure that doesn't happen on our team? Or what do we need to look out for? Maybe we can't figure it out yet, but we just need to be aware of it so that when it does happen, we stop and say, okay, this is that situation we saw in the exercise. What do we want to do about it? How can we make this easier? So just being aware of those tendencies, even if you don't have working agreements for all of them, is a huge benefit. The funny thing is I've, I've seen teams like a few weeks after they've done the exercise and they'll, they'll, something will happen to stand up on another meeting. They go, ah, you're, you're doing that West thing. You're doing that West. <laughs> or you're doing that South thing. <laughs> doing that, um, and that's the beauty of it, because when you open up the uh, exercise in the book, it says, you know, he's got quotes and you hear, it, he just wants to jump in without thinking through the consequences. Oh, she takes too much time checking the fact. Yeah. Why do we have to do this checking in with how people feel and this stat? It, it was, I've heard these. I've heard variants of these. Yeah. All the time, and I thought, and it suddenly struck me. I thought, and if you're far apart and you're using Zoom or whatever, yeah. those things could be even more fatal. And to take the personality 
clash at saying, oh, you know, you feel like you're addressing the person saying you're wrong. You just say, no, there's a behaviour. And I have a behaviour. And how do they mix? And I quite like the fact you can now say, you're doing the North thing. Stop it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm south at the moment. <laughs> so yeah. I love that. And I love that. And, yeah. you know, and again, I think that works far away, close to that simple team stuff that can change the language between team members to be a team so they get on with the work rather than yeah. the digital agendas. Yeah, because you don't have to get all touchy-feely. Oh, no. <laughs> but at the same time, you get understanding of why somebody reacts a certain way when you ask a particular question. Yeah. And, and so you start thinking about, oh, maybe I should ask this in a different way. How can I ask this differently? Yeah. When we talked before uh, the podcast, um, I was saying, so, well, obviously the world has had a bit of a kick in the pants with the pandemic. Um, lots of people. Or the head. <laughs> or everywhere else, frankly. <laughs> um, yeah. Some of us have been very lucky that we can use Zoom and what have you. Um, yeah. And I guess a lot of people like him. At first, it was all a bit exciting and you know, all the urgency and we've all changed. And now we're getting to the reality of what's it really like to sit all day in front of video screens. It's not the same. I don't find it as nice. This is great. Fantastic. Yeah. But you think, at the end of the day, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> I'm pretty tired. And a lot of people are saying this stuff. Um, yeah. And you were saying, actually, we're getting a lot of calls from a lot of people. We're, we're just inundated with people who need help. Mm-hmm. What what yeah. what the big asks are you finding? What are people really struggling with? There, I I think I could s- summarize it as they're struggling with how to function. Okay. Online, um, and this is why I've always used a bit of a space metaphor around describing distributed um, astronauts. Don't just jump in the capsule and go, hey, let's let's head off to space. There's prep. There's yeah. there's all kinds of so they they mentally prep themselves for this. They know it's a different environment. Yeah. They can't just open up the capsule when they're in orbit and say, hey, I'm gonna go for a stroll. Yeah. No, there's there's different there's procedures for this because it is a very different environment. I look at online the same way. It's a very different environment. And when you're working in that environment, you have to realize how you maintain your stamina how you maintain your strength how you maintain your connections yeah yeah. as part of that so um some of it can be simple as simple as just you know doing a stretch after a meeting yeah uh when when i do trainings if we do a break sometimes uh we'll we'll do neck rolls and stretches as part of the break other times i'll say okay i don't want to see you in front of the screen for 10 minutes go away (laughs) come back at 10 yeah. Go away. You need yeah. to go walk and look at something else other than a screen. Don't bring your phone. Just go outside for a while. And people need to be reminded of that because especially now part of part of that working remote is it, it can feel isolating if you don't have other factors in place. Pre-pandemic, this is why I would work with my local communities. That would give me that contact time with people that yeah. I wouldn't, you know, that yes, I would have in the office, but in ways that working with community was far more fulfilling for me. So both my wife and I do a lot of volunteer work because that, that is connection for us. That, 
that refreshes us. Uh, for others, it's sports or, or whatever. And those kind of things are a little difficult in a pandemic, you know, unless you're, you know, unless it's a solo sport. Yeah. But people have to remember what is it, and they have to be self-aware to think of what is it I need to maintain myself day to day. So for me, for instance, do I jump in front of the laptop first thing in the morning? No. Uh, I, I take time to grab a cup of coffee. I'll, I'll meditate for a few minutes. And so I'll just kind of clear everything out of my head and then jump into my priorities first, not email first. Because that's that's the worst thing you could do is jump into your email first. Because <laughs> because you you will go everywhere in email. So, but again, if you if you if you set that daily weekly focus on what you need to do for work, what you need to do for yourself, set that time each day. Say, okay, what are my priorities for today to maintain that? Then you can not only survive but thrive online. Okay. Fabulous. Um, we're nearly out of time, but you did tease us to say there's another book. Another book is fermenting. <laughs> it's fermenting. Yes, it is. Uh, yes. Would you like to give us a little bit of an insight as to what? I I, I can't. So um, so uh, I have not always worked with remote teams. I have actually worked with people at an office, just yeah. <laughs> just, real, just to be real clear. People, real work. <laughs> real people. You could poke them. You could pinch them. Yeah. Uh, well, HR wouldn't want you to do that. I, I was anyway. Gonna, that's a new technique for a scrum master. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pinch, yeah. Um, and so with that, I've, I've done in-person facilitation as well as a lot of remote facilitation. One of the things that probably impacted me the most was open space. So for, for those of your listeners that aren't familiar with open space, uh, you, a very crude definition is, is, an, is an agendaless meeting, but it is much more than that. Yeah. It is much more than that. Uh, you've heard me early on in describing the book saying the importance of choice. I would call open space as a choice-driven event. Yes. And so without going into the details of open space, the book is about how some of those principles around open space might influence you day to day. So outside of an event. Yeah. So that's, so I'm working with April Jefferson, uh, who's done many uh, beautiful online events and in-person events using open space. And so we started talking about it this summer, how, the influences of open space on how we work. And we said, you know, we should write a book on this. So that's what we're working on. We've got a, we have uh, at this, at this stage at uh, early December, late November, we've got about four or five chapters in Uh, We're we're, uh, we're crafting part of it now, because if you're familiar with open space, there's an opening, there are sessions where people can flow between and there's a closing. The book is going to be structured very similar. It's not a linear path through the book. So think of it as, uh, uh, you know, uh, choose your own story through yeah. the, through the book. Well, open space is very dynamic. Uh, very yeah. People are not familiar. Uh, do check check them out. Um, when do you forecast? Are you forecasting when your book 
might be relevant to the masses. So as, as so as they say in open space, it starts when it starts, and it ends when it ends. <laughs> <laughs> but more pragmatically, uh, we're, we're probably husband in you. What, when, when did yeah, you... <laughs> yeah. But really, what is it? What is it coming out? Um, we're with what we're with the stage right now. I'm, I'm thinking it's probably going to be more the second half of next year. Okay. okay. Um, well, I hope we get to talk about that book as well. Mark, what a joy. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Thank you, Ian. It was, it was an absolute pleasure. It's been fantastic. And, you know, um, enjoy the Florida sunshine as much as I'm enjoying the English mist. <laughs> I'll send you a picture. It's gorgeous outside. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I never liked you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mark, uh, you're, you're quite right. You are the expert in dispute, but you, you know, the expertise is in agility, is in teams, is in getting things done. If they want to talk to you more about them or how you can help them, how can they get hold of you, Mark? So the easiest way to get hold of me is uh, through my website, markkilby.com. So two Ks, M-A-R-K-K-I-L-B-Y.com. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter usually. Uh, you can look for me on other social media platforms, but I'm not there. So, uh, so LinkedIn and Twitter, if you're if you're into the social media platforms, um, but I have um, blog posts there, articles there. You can get to the book there. I'll have news about the new book uh, there. You can if you if you don't get a copy of the book, although I'm sure with Ian's prompting you will. Uh, you can still get things like the uh, compass exercise you can download a copy of it that if, if you want to use it with your team so there's several exercises like that as well lots of facilitation tips so there's there's tons of information on there the is website. i had a i had a look around and i thought there's a lot here as i said before you're very generous uh with materials there um we'll put links into the website uh your twitter handle and of course a link to the book so they can buy the book because I think you've got it in, 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 in the version. Um, Mark and I are soon to go and uh, practice our social media TikTok dances. Uh, but in the meantime, if you'd like to speak to Melly's nephew, I think you're doing the gopher there, aren't you? <laughs> that gopher. Um, the, if you'd like to get hold of uh, Mark, you can get hold of me again. You can get hold of me at LinkedIn uh, or write to me at ian.gill at agilitybynature.com. And, you know, I might not be quite the expert, I know a few things myself as well. In the meantime, thank you so much, Mark. Have a fabulous day. It's been a joy talking to you. Thanks, Ian.